You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, WHTT.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to entitle this, Why Are Neo-Christian Churches Hostile Towards Peace in the Middle East? And what precipitated that is a recent vigil held by our friends in Fresno. And I'm going to turn the mic over here to Chuck Carlson to introduce this, and we're going to be talking about this particular vigil and also some other aspects of this idea of the uh, churches being hostile, these what we would call neo-Christian or Zionized churches, to peace in the Middle East. Chuck? Thank you, Tom. This week we have very positive actions by our members. Craig Hansen and his team in Fresno, California, and most of them are on the line with us tonight, and he'll introduce them. And Tom Compton, our announcer, who you just heard, who carried out a a very important project in his home megachurch right in Scottsdale, Arizona, where he has been a member for some 20 years of what would be described as a neo-Christian or Christian Zionist church. They both received encouraging responses as well as disappointments in their action in these two uh, separate venues where they were. Craig will explain their project in Fresno. Then Tom will share with us his experience with uh, a new pastor in Scottsdale. And then we will discuss the question, why are the Southern Baptist Convention hostile to our message of peace in the Middle East? The following is a letter to two of the organizers of this training session in California for pastors. It's a pastor's orientation session where Craig and his team came to know them at the meeting. And he writes to these organizers, Dear brothers, thank you for the meeting with me Monday morning. Thank you for your honesty in sharing your views about our mission. Darrell, you mentioned that this pastor's orientation was not the place for us to present our position on Christian Zionism. I disagree. Until the Southern Baptist Convention reverses its theological and financial position of support for the racist state of Israel, every time the Southern Baptist Convention holds a meeting, it is time to raise the warning flag that supporting Israel is unchristlike, unbiblical, and immoral. From uh, your paper, What We Believe, webpage 15, entitled The Christian and the Social Order, quote, in the spirit of Christ, Christians should oppose racism, end quote. There is no way to deny that Israel is a racist state, especially in light of their latest rulings. My prayer is that the leaders of the SBC will have a Damascus Road experience where they come to realize that their current path is leading to death, persecution of the innocent, and of our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
and that those leaders will repent of their teaching, he requests. Acts 9.5 reads, and he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Please listen to our interview with Pastor Chuck Baldwin as he describes his journey out of Christian Zionism. Your fellow brother in Christ, Craig Hansen. Craig, please tell us what happened to you and your team in California, what you learned, and then we'll get into our questions after Tom Compton has shared with us a little bit later. Craig Hansen. Okay, Chuck, thank you. First of all, I want to say that the kudos go to Dave Jacobs and the whole team down there in Fresno. I just I just kind of showed up and, and got to be the recipient of all the hard work that they had done beforehand. Dave had written to the church. He had written to the Southern Baptist leadership, and he had contacted the police, letting them know that we were doing a sidewalk visual. So all the legwork goes to those folks. I want to say, first of all, that it was definitely worth the five-hour drive to come down and be a part of this vigil. And yes, I was able to go into the headquarters, in which, oddly enough, there's no identification on the street that this is the California Southern Baptist Convention headquarters. You'd think that'd be something that either they'd be proud of. Uh, I was able to go in and um, meet uh, two of the gentlemen, and I asked the secretary if, if I could speak to someone that was part of the organization for this new pastor's orientation. And she was very pleasant and made a few phone calls, and these two gentlemen showed up, one of which was actually on the webpage as the facilitator organizer, and the other one, other gentleman was also on staff there for the, the California Southern Baptist Convention. And they were very you know, happy to see me. They were you know, glad to put their hands out and smiles and want to know who I was. I told them, my name is Craig Hansen. I'm with uh, We Hold These Truths. We are a pro-Jesus, pro-life and pro-peace organization, and I just wanted you to be able to put a face uh, with the people that were going to be in front on the sidewalk. And as Patty said, it was truly a Kodak moment as you watched the smiles on these two men's face just disappear instantaneously in stereo as they both, their, their mouths dropped, their, their countenance dropped, and they went from all smiles to a frown to a scowl in one move because that's not what they expected. And one organizer, he just walked away. He didn't say, excuse me, you know, I've got, uh, I've got something to do with the organization here. The other gentleman at least had the uh, presence to stay with me and kind of hear me out a little bit and uh, explaining our position that we're there because the Southern Baptists have taken a very strong pro-Christian Zionism position and that we were speaking out against Christian Zionism as being unbiblical and we wanted to, to bring that message to the, the pastors that were going to be attending that day and the next day's orientation. As a side note, the pastors that were coming were new senior pastors, people that had just been ordained as recent pastors, and it was also another group that were new pastors to California. And I thought, well, this is kind of interesting. Welcome to California. Here's the protesters. Anyway, I was able to introduce myself. Uh, I tried to pass a book to them, One Nation Under Israel. They wouldn't accept that. But he did take one of our flyers, which it says, does the Bible require followers of Jesus to support the Jewish state of Israel? With a big emphatic, no. Think for yourself. Don't just blindly follow your denomination. 
do your own research. And then the three headings I have is uh, what do Christian Zionists believe, what does the Bible say, and present day. And it just kind of goes through the like, kind of bullet points of what we here at We Hold These Truths hold and uh, try to proclaim to the evangelical church to show the, the dangers of this, what we call neo-Christianity, this new theological doctrine of Christian Zionism that has penetrated the church to such an extent that it's uh, causing ramifications all around the world, and literally millions of people are dying because of this bad theology. So with that said, I just thank the one gentleman for his time and then walked out and joined Dave and Patty and Kitty and Twyla and James and Alma and Maya on the street. So we had quite a good group out there to hold up our signs and witness to the fact that Southern Baptists are not supporting peace in the Middle East. Did you actually engage some people outside, did you not, Craig? Well, I wouldn't say I engaged them. I would say that they came and engaged us. It was, and what was interesting about that, Tom, is that most of the people going in, and Patty was very faithful at saying, you know, like, no more wars for Israel and trying to get people's attention, saying good morning as they would walk in. We were separated from the entrance, oh, by, I don't know, maybe 30 feet. And so they could hear us. They could hear our good morning. Some people looked at us. Most didn't and just uh, marched uh, straight ahead into their meeting. But two new pastors, one from uh, Southern California and one from the Bay Area, came out to us and wanted to know, what are we there for? What's the message? And I have to say, it was very refreshing. I wish, and I think Kitty made the point, that we would have liked someone to come out and even disagree with us. You know, like, you know, show, showing us from the Bible why we're wrong and, and why, why Israel is fulfillment of prophecy and so forth and so on. No, no engagement at that at all. But the two young men who did come to us, I find out that they are very sympathetic to our position and the fact that they are associated with the Southern Baptists, but they are independent uh, Baptists. And so that means they don't have to follow the, uh, the Southern Baptist positions on all these different issues, I guess. I don't, I don't know enough about Southern Baptists and, and their structure on what that means exactly. But both of these young men recognize that what Israel is doing over there in the Middle East is wrong. It is uh, ungodly, unchristlike, and that we shouldn't be a part of it. And they understood that message. So that was really refreshing. And I mentioned to one, one, actually one of the young men, he said he was a libertarian. And of course, I, I jumped right on that with our, our message about Chuck Baldwin and his uh, Ron Paul's support of him for, for president and how that uh, Chuck Baldwin had made the uh, transition out of a Christian Zionism position, really walk away from that. And so they were, they were both interested in that. And what I see across the board is that the young people, the younger set, are understanding, they're getting it, that what Israel has been doing is atrocious, and it's ungodly, it's, it's criminal, and the younger people get it. The older set, they're just lockstep to this whole Schofield Reference Bible, premillennial dispensationalism, that Israel is God's chosen people, and they can do whatever they want, and God's going to deal with them separately. So that's where I'm seeing the divide. And so that's, to me, it needs to be our target audience is the the younger set because they get it. Craig, that's so true. And this encounter you had with these two young pastors actually reinforces what we found out last year at the Southern Baptist Convention's 
annual meeting in Phoenix when we engaged literally hundreds. We passed out something like 350 sets of literature. And we did see that there was a, a variety of opinions and sympathies that matched what uh, what these two young men. So we, we didn't see a, a lockstep in, in unity. And so that was encouragement for us at the time to see that maybe there is a turning, as we describe in our award-winning video, Christian Zionism, the tragedy in turning. And so what we may be seeing actually is a, is a giant turning. And thanks to young people like this that are asking questions, we're actually seeing it. Now, maybe it's not as fast as we would like, <laughs> unfortunately, but what we're uh, standing up against is very well entrenched as we reiterated on numerous podcasts, the influence of our media, our government's relationship with uh, Israel and the aid we give there. It's a, it's a, it's a really a God-sized problem, and uh, God's people are waking up slowly. So we want to thank you guys that took the bull by the horn, so to speak, and stepped up to, to the plate and challenged the Southern Baptists there in California. I second what you say here, and this is a great effort and uh, very encouraging. And uh, we are getting into the millennial age, and we're seeing this millennial movement among people. Uh, we're no longer in the age of the, of the what, the baby boomers and the great generation, of course. Uh, that was even before my age. And uh, everything does change. We're now in the era of bitcoins. And uh, all kinds of things we have a hard time understanding, like legalized marijuana. So things are changing, and people are changing, and ideas are changing, and this is, uh, this is wonderful. And Tom, you experienced some of this yourself just last week in your own church. Tom Thompson is a study in persistence in a megachurch in Scottsdale, Arizona. This church is so large, the church has some 35 pastors on its staff. Tom has recently come to know one of them personally and finds that the change that we're seeing in the millennial group is even present in his very dispensational church. He'll be telling us about that. And it's a church that we would normally call a neo-Christian church or Christian Zionist, as popular referred to. Tom, tell us about your experience with uh, this pastor who I won't name. Okay. Well, I would not call my church a Christian Zionist church. It, it, there's an undertow of it. You know, it's not like a cornerstone church pastored by John Hagee. It's much more subtle than this. And I would suspect it's a lot like a lot of evangelical churches. They don't want to step in this area. They, they want to be neutral. But I, I've experienced in Sunday school enrichment classes this dispensational Christian Zionist theology. And occasionally we do get guest speakers who are, uh, as best I can tell, Christian Zionists. So it's kind of a situation where they try to tread softly and they don't want to even address the issue. The senior pastor of this church is about 7,000 does not even want to talk to me about this issue of Christian Zionism. It's too sensitive. But I have met the outreach pastor, who is a young man who's probably around 40, 
And he's what's even more interesting, he's a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, which is which we know is kind of as Christian Zionist central, if you will, that has promoted the Scofield Bible's concepts of what we know as Zionized Christianity or Neo-Christianity or Christian Zionism, however you want to call it. And uh, I, I recently had lunch with him, and he pointed out even at Dallas Theological Seminary, and even a, a really interesting, the first time I met him, the first question, and he reminded me, this has been over a year ago, he said, I remember the first question, and then the first question I asked him was, do you believe that the modern state of Israel is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy? And he said no. And so he was a graduate of a dispensational uh, university, and he was obviously thinking outside the box, if you will, in his theology. And uh, how we got together, actually, he is working with some Palestinians. The interesting thing is they made an appeal a year ago to the uh, church body there was a the week before there was a video and this outreach pastor and one of our elders went to uh to the west bank of palestine and met with the people that they were working with and they were going to build an outreach center in one of these palestinian cities and we raised the next week one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. that was on a saturday and and sunday they have saturday night services and so he was over there recently with some of our other missionaries to work with this group moving forward with the money that we raised so they can build this outreach center. But what I try to do in this church is to challenge our pastor and some of the speakers that come into the church. And so it really is Christian Zionism has got a grip on evangelical churches, it's very powerful. So they may not be openly um, Zionist, as we like to say, but it's a grip there and people are influenced. I know people there that, oh, they were so glad when the U.S. Embassy moved to Jerusalem. And that certainly is from dispensational theology that the modern Jews are the uh, fulfillment of biblical prophecy and that we have some allegiance to Israel. So there's so much conditioning in the United States. We've talked about this before, vis-a-vis our government, the relationship with uh, Israel. We get $10 million a day in aid to Israel. You've got the media that are in lockstep with Israel. You've got the uh, Zionist lobby in the United States, APAC, and that type of thing are very, very powerful, have influence over our congressmen and senators to a very, very large extent when it comes to issues uh, in the Middle East and protecting Israel's interests. So it's a very complex situation, but I see this as a uh, sort of a glimmer of hope. We talked about this in our video that I mentioned earlier, Tragedy and Turning, And maybe this is part of the turning because the same pastor that graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary said that they're actually in their third generation of professors. And he saw some of the changes uh, in the theology there. So people are challenging the relatively new theological bents, if you will, uh, that we know 
as Christian Zionism's day, which is, uh, I like to call the dark side of dispensationalism. And you can research our site to find out more information to get more details to understand all this. But the encouraging thing is that we need people to ask questions in their churches, to challenge their leaders and so forth, just like what Craig and Dave and his team did in Fresno, and they've been at a number of other churches. And so it's so vitally important to uh, challenge because the United States has a war-based economy, and we are always looking to find another enemy, and we, we, we have wars, and so our sign, no more wars for Israel, is so very appropriate. And we're looking for the thinking people to uh, look at us, not believe necessarily what we say, but do their own research into this, uh, read the Bible, and uh, study. And so I'll turn back to, to you, Chuck. You. Okay, thank you very much, Tom. Now, we started this program off by calling it, Why is the Neo-Christian Church Hostile Toward Peace in the Middle East? We've seen some examples of how, in a small way, our team members are breaking through in places by their persistence. Tom and uh, Craig and uh, Dave and the ladies are doing this wonderful work in, in California. And however, uh, we don't want to leave without attempting to answer our own question. We don't believe in leaving hanging questions like, why is the neo-Christian church hostile toward peace in the Middle East? We believe there is an answer and that we can reach that answer if we look at what these churches are saying. So we're going to take a look at something Craig has quoted in his letter to these organizers in Fresno, California, called On Prayer and Support for Israel, published in St. Louis, Missouri on 2016 by the Southern Baptist Convention, the big convention. This statement starts out with a whole series of whereas. We're only going to I'll read three of these to you, and we're only going to take exception, I think, with the second one. first one is, speaking of why the support for the state of Israel, whereas the Old Testament declares God's promise to Abraham, or to Abram, they say here, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. That's Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And it's where we started out in our film called Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, was with examining the misinterpretations of this verse and subsequent ones. And we believe those misinterpretations have resulted in this whole movement we call neo-Christianity because it's only 100 years old and which others refer to as Christian Zionists, and which we've used that term ourselves many times. Here are some of the statements that follow. Here is the second whereas. Whereas Israel represents the descendants of Jacob as an ethnic culture and national entity, quoting Genesis 32, 28. And the next whereas, Whereas we share with the nation of Israel many values as the only democratic ally to the United States in the Middle East, 
And then the question, of course, this last statement is a political question. Addressing the question of what kind of a political state the state of Israel is. We would, of course, have a lot of exceptions to that. But we're going to ask our team members, starting with Craig and Tom, please, if you, if you would, and then others as they see fit, to explain to us what the Southern Baptist Convention is trying to tell us when they say, whereas Israel represents the descendants of Jacob as an ethnic, cultural, and national entity. They then base their whole support for the state of Israel on these resolutions. Craig? Thanks, Chuck. I, I'd kind of like to go back to something that Twyla said about when we get met with this anger and hostility. If the church didn't believe what you just presented, that Israel is these chosen people and so forth and so on, then they wouldn't be hostile to our message. But the fact they, they show such hostility means they're obviously against our message. So it, just by being against it shows what, where, where they stand. We've gone over this Genesis 12 many, many times in our podcast and on our website. So I'm not going to belabor that point. But again, it's just that same idea, taking verses out of context, misapplying them, which is the word hermeneutics on the actual study of the scriptures, and to take something that was just given to one man, like you said, Abram, and apply it to a whole ethnicity, and then to take that ethnicity and say, well, that's equivalent to the Jews of today. That is such a impossible leap of logic, fact, and everything. So it just it doesn't work. And so that's when you start confronting these neo-Christians with the facts, they just get really angry because it's indefensible. When you start attacking the house of cards of Christian Zionism, they get really nervous because the whole thing starts to shake and it starts to fall down. And that's what Twyla was experiencing out there at Clovis Hills Church. We just see such anger. You get out of here, go play someplace else. The rhetoric that comes at us, Kitty mentioned, you know, if the roles were reversed, we'd want to say, well, we, we love Jesus. We believe in, in him. We, we follow Christ. What is it that you're showing us that's different from what we believe what, to try to get some kind of understanding? But that's not the case. They just attack the messenger and not the message because it is fearful for them to find out that there's chinks in their armor and uh, this, this whole house of cards is going to come crashing down. If you will look at our video, The Tragedy and the Turning, we discuss a good bit of these verses, though I don't know if we discuss that particular verse. Tom, do you have something to add to that? The statement, Israel represents the descendants of Jacob as an ethnic, and that's an ethnic meaning cultural, I guess, cultural, no. they then go on to say, and a national entity, so that the state of Israel is the same national entity that was the ancient tribe of Israel, how many thousand years ago that everyone lost track of, and uh, which showed up from Europe in 1948 with guns in their hands. This is the tribe that we're supposed to believe is ordained by God to be where they are today as a result of they being literally Jacob. Tom? Well, Chuck, so what we need to do is actually go to the Bible. And uh, as followers of Christ, we uh, look to the New Testament, and this was uh, vividly brought to us by a Christian pastor who was born in Gaza. He was the pastor 
uh, the Baptist Church in Gaza when Chuck went there in 2002. And what he said was, uh, we've said the same thing, similar thing, that as followers of Christ, we need to look at the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament and not the other way around. And so we've talked about this very same thing in the past. We would challenge people to go to uh, Galatians 3 that was written by Paul, who was a Pharisee that was persecuting Christians until he had his Damascus moment that Craig mentioned in his letter to the Southern Baptist leaders. And so we look at Galatians 3, and in verse 16, it says, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. So it's a spiritual thing. He goes down at the end of the chapter to say there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So this idea of continuation from 3,000 years ago really is put to bed by what Paul is saying here in the New Testament. And so that's what we're seeing, this anger, but we're challenging people. And I guess that's all we can do is to challenge them and get them to look at it. But as we discussed earlier, there is an awakening. The younger generations are asking more questions and are very sympathetic towards peace. You know, it should be pretty obvious to anybody that we have a war-based economy. Craig, did you have anything to add to the little brief study here on what it is that makes the churches so hostile to us when we call attention to the fact that they are not Israel? Well, I'd like to say it was a scripture that I I sent to uh, Patty before we we started this, and it says that the student will be like, their teacher. And that's what we were trying to express with this California Southern Baptist Convention protest, is that these are the pastors which are going to be teaching the people in the pews, and they've got their information from the seminaries that they went to. And so we're trying to break the cycle, at least put a little chink in what they've been taught and say, well, maybe what I taught wasn't true. But I want to say, when we were we were having dinner together, and Kitty was talking about Paul and Damascus Road that we've mentioned tonight, and it was just like a light bulb went off for me is to be able to pray specifically that these these neo Christian pastors will be able to recognize that what they preach has effect in this world, and that people are dying that millions of people around the world are dying because of this bad theology. This is not just to decide whether you have communion once once a month or every other week or how you pass the communion plate or the offering plate. This is life and death issues. And the response I got back from this leader from the California Southern Baptists was just like, well, you know, we're really too busy saving souls to be concerned about this. And I thought, you know, how narrow, how trite that you say, well, you know, our job is to save souls. And the fact that millions of people are dying apart from Jesus and they're being killed by American tax dollars and, and so forth, we, we're really not concerned about because we want to save souls in California. I was just blown away by that response. But again, we're looking at this anger 
response because it's being exposed. And hopefully these leaders, as we get our message out, they'll recognize, oh, wait, this, this is wrong. Something's not right here. Just again, I keep going back to Chuck Baldwin's interview because he found that as he was preaching Christian Zionism, every time he preached it, there was that uneasiness in the pit of his stomach that something is wrong here. And that's the message we're trying to get out is something is wrong here. Examine it, develop it, do your research, and you'll, you'll see that it is ungodly, unchristlike, and it's time to make a change. What a place to end. Thank you. Craig, do you want to close this in a word of prayer here? Heavenly Father, it's been a, a pleasure and an experience to be a part of uh, We Hold These Truths in the last few days. Thank you uh, so much that you have put upon all of our hearts to stand for truth, for righteousness, for your holiness, and to exalt the name of Jesus as the King of kings, the Prince of peace, wonderful counselor, the mighty God. And we thank you that we can be a part of that kingdom that you're raising up. And my prayer right now, Lord, is that you would take our small efforts that we were able to present to the leadership of the California Southern Baptist Convention, the, the pastors that were coming in and out, uh, the people on the street just driving by, the lady and her daughter just walking on the sidewalk, all the people that got to see us out there. I pray that you would take those small seeds and water them that might grow into a movement that people will say, no more wars for Israel, no more destruction. We are to support peace. And may there just be a transformation. May many pastors rise up to take the same position as Chuck Baldwin to walk away from the lies and the deception of Christian Zionism. And may that, those seeds be watered and planted, and we give you the praise and glory for what's going to be accomplished in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcasts. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small think big, and press on towards the straight gate.